How about that cigar? How about that cigar? Well, hi and hello, everybody. It is Tuesday night, our favorite night of the week. Welcome mm-hmm. to episode number... 78. Episode number 78 of How About That Cigar Live. Guys, thanks so much for joining us live from the Drew Estate Cigar Studios. As always, we're so grateful that you spend some time with us on Tuesday nights. Take just a minute to share us out to your favorite Facebook cigar groups and let everybody know that we have gone live. And as always, join in with the comments and the questions as the show goes on this evening. Uh, And this week, we want to tell you about Drew Estate's Acid 20 Bronxzilla. In 2019, Drew Estate celebrated an important milestone with the global introduction of the Acid 20th anniversary. And now the Acid 20 Bronxzilla, an Ecuadorian Connecticut shade offering that will be available exclusively through Alliance Cigar Company. Wrapped in a creamy, smooth Connecticut shade cover leaf over Indonesian binder and rich Nicaraguan filler, Bronxzilla is packed with bold flavor and aroma. Each 5x54 Robusto is blinged out in chrome foil and packed in a 20-count box, emblazoned with the Acid 20 logo. For more info, please visit DrewEstate.com and AllianceCigars.com. I feel like you should say, like... Bronxzilla. Yeah, but I can't pull that off. Yeah. So I gotta I, I can't pull that off. It's just not me. Uh also when we talk about sharing to our favorite cigar groups, I just want to bring up a little post that I had this last weekend um where I was invited in one day to a total of seven different cigar groups. Yeah. Seven. Yeah, let's talk about that. And it's getting a little it's getting a little something. Yeah. Um, you know, Coop said, you know, responded and said they have their place, you know. They, and I agree. I, I agree totally Coop. agree. Coop's not wrong. They nope. do have their place. So here's, uh, and I agree, it's getting out of control. Where, yeah. But I think part of it, I think this is a um, a byproduct of people not being able to interact mm-hmm. with their fellow cigar smokers as much as we want to. Right, but it's also a product of people not seeking out an already established group. Right. You know, uh, we've got a great Minnesota um, Herf Connection cigar group and um, very active, awesome. MHC, cheers. And, I, I mean, we've seen people try and, you know, invite us to these Minnesota yeah. cigar groups. It's like, did, did you, there's a, there's already a thing. Yeah. So before you go out there and go through the effort and time, because it does take effort and time to start a cigar group on Facebook, do a little uh, just search. Do a, just do a dig. A yeah. Search. See what's out there. See if there's one out there already. There's probably one out there. So um, so this week, um, as we normally talk a little, <laughs> little sports, um, the Packers mm. were on a bye week, so my team did not lose. Um, which is fine because we were already undefeated. Uh, the how did the Vikings do, Garrett? <laughs> he doesn't want to talk about it. He's, I want to punch babies talking about <laughs> the Vikings. Seems a little extreme. It is a bit extreme, but gosh, dang it! It was a last second. Here's here's what pisses me off. Earlier in the day, Jill said, "You know, oh, the Vikings play tonight." Are you going to, you know, get mad? And I was like, no, I'm not going to get mad because they're totally going to lose. You know, they're going to lose. I'm, I'm already accepted that. Well, and then what do the Vikings do? 
they come out and make it a game and they led for majority of the game. They were looking solid. And then in Minnesota fashion, what do they do? (laughs) (laughs) Don't please don't ever make that noise again. That was they choke. (laughs) So um, I will say congratulations to uh, the Los Angeles Lakers on, on winning the NBA championship. Um, I want to get Pete in on we're this gonna one, talk, We're going to talk to our guest about that in a little <laughs> while. Um, I will say this. I was, I, I'm, always, I'm always happy whenever, whenever we see uh, um, any milestone, regardless if we consider it a milestone or not. I, I am always happy to see any of those um, people celebrating with a, a premium cigar after it's all over. So, you know, it's, mm. it's nice to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and another shout out for, uh, you know, if you were watching, if you're a fan of football and you were watching yesterday, um, you know, regardless of who you root for, you never want to see anybody get a, a extremely severe injury. Sunday, that is. Um, Sunday, that yeah. is. Uh, and uh, Dak Prescott took a horrible, Theisman. horrible break to his leg. Um it was pointing the wrong direction. It was really horrifying to watch. Uh, so, you know, thoughts and prayers for for Dak and his family and, you know, for everybody. Uh, Hopefully a speedy recovery, I, I guess, from early uh, early reports. It is a repairable yeah. break. Yeah. We'll see. It did so, not look like it. It, it didn't. <laughs> it looked. It, I mean, I remember I remember back in the day watching the Theismann break when when lt hit theisman and um I, I, that's one of those things that i can't watch i can't watch sports injuries because i see it happen and somewhere in my brain some something happens in my brain and i imagine it happening to me i feel my own leg do whatever just happened to that dude on tv so but lt's response was probably my best it's one of my favorite oh, yeah. responses yeah when he goes and visited him in the hospital, yeah, he didn't celebrate a play. Well, but even right after it, he didn't celebrate a play or anything. He's waving. Oh yeah, no, he's waving up. He's waving medical. But the when field. he goes to visit Joe in the hospital, yeah. and Joe says, uh, "T, you, you broke my leg in three places." He says, "Sorry, Joe, I don't do anything half-ass." <laughs> I mean, that is yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's good stuff. Oh, I love it. All right, let's uh, let's not waste any more time yeah, this evening. Uh, let's get into our special guest segment. As always, guys, special guests are brought to you by Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com. They are the Internet's largest and easiest-to-use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. You'll also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American... President and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Mr. Jeff Borshowitz, believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. If you live in Florida or are just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. For more info on all of that, please visit coronacigar.com and floridasungrown.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back back to How About That Cigar live from Tatuaje. Pete Johnson, welcome to the show. Pete. What's happening, guys? Loving Brother. life, loving every second of it. 
and grateful to have you on again. And uh, just looking forward to having a having a good time talking about whatever the hell we feel like tonight. <laughs> I have to say one thing. Do it. Thank you for reading your advertisement way better than Coop. <laughs> just saying. Ouch. 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 Hey, um, Will. We love you, Coop. We love you, Coop. <laughs> we love you, Coop. Uh, but we'll take the compliments. Awesome. Well, and it's a, it's a joy. It was a great read. I wasn't sure what Borschwitz was holding in his hand, though. Like, the picture was... Kind of awkward because I'm not sure what it says. So it's a logo. It's a logo. logo. It's a logo for something. Yeah. Ah, his bee is it's it's for his uh his bee as honey. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. It's honey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's got to be for. But it almost looks like he's uh about to do a slingshot. (laughs) Love it. So so I'm glad I didn't see this football player have his leg shattered the other night. Uh, that that because of the Theismann thing, yeah, that's something you rewatch and and you feel like you got kicked in the nuts, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I, I say that on this show? Very, by the way, <laughs> it's a very similar injury in how it happened and in everything. Um, other, I mean, uh, Theismann was right out sacked where Dak was actually running for positive yardage, but the the tackle and how it happened in the rolling it was it was just an unfortunate it's just the direction that everything pointed when weight started to fall on his leg and it was just it, it was no bad. yeah you, you don't have to describe it thank you very much <laughs> let's move on you know in deadpool when he hits colossus and his hand like yeah but that's around. funny <laughs> yeah but that's hilarious yeah. yeah well think about it like that so um <laughs> So Garrett and I are firing up the new Karloff. Um, and Pete, uh, tell us what you're smoking and drinking with us this evening. You know, honestly, though, you were smoking a La Riqueza if I didn't see right. We, wow. We we were. We so uh, we all Garrett and I always do a pregame smoke when we're doing our show prep and, and all that. And I pulled a couple of the old. I've, I've got some of the old uh, brown cello La Riquezas down in my humidor that I pulled out Beautiful. for our pregame. So... Oh yeah, lovely. So um, I'm actually smoking a, a prototype to something that we re- released. I want to say five or six years ago, if I remember correctly. And uh, we're gonna re-release a batch of it next year. Okay, it's, it's what we call, or what Dan Welsh calls, a Mansdale. It's a <laughs> it's a long Lonsdale. Um, and then I'm drinking Michael Jordan's tequila, celebrating that he's still the goat. Amen. Amen. Cheers to that. Let's talk about because, it. Because LeBron's got three and a half stars. <laughs> well, three Listen, and a half. LeBron's our, got three and a half out of ten stars in my Yeah, in my book. exactly, right? Yeah. Uh, and Michael, Michael's got, Michael Jordan has 11 out of ten stars in my book. There you mm-hmm. go. But that's just me. So I'm to 11 for those of you watching. If you can see here, I, I, I don't know why I, I'm not one who usually sits on stuff and lets it collect us. But for some reason, I just never opened this bottle of the saints and sent the first release of the saints and sinners. Will it for some reason, I just never opened it. And tonight it I ages like, so okay. well in the bottle. Yeah. It ages <laughs> so, so well in the bottle. 
that, uh, and and tonight I, was I, like, we, I should probably whiskey, open that bottle. So. Should, should I should I let that whiskey sit for a while because it's going to age, right? No, <laughs> <Yes>. dude. <laughs> it'll take on. It will actually. It'll take it will on actually in, age. The, in the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> it will actually age differently though once you get some air in it. So. Mm-hmm. Six months down the road, after you drink, I don't know, a couple glasses out of that, it will taste a slight different to it, but not right now. <laughs> well, it was between this bottle of of the Saints and Sinners Willet or a new bottle of the the Balvenie Caribbean Cask 14 year that I just bought. Oh, that's a fun one. And I I just I love scotches that are finished in in rum casks. There's something about the combination of the sugariness from the from the rum cask and the uh, the earthiness from the scotch, I think that works awesome. You know, I, I just did a Zoom herf with uh, a group from Scotland, actually the UK, not just Scotland, but the UK. And they paired one of my cigars with a whiskey called Deanston. Hmm. And uh, they sent me like three little bottle samplers to to drink while it, like the deal was you could, you could actually sit down in this herf with me, smoke the cigar and drink, the whiskey at the same time as everybody else, which was fabulous, right? You guys went severely blurry after all that smoke hit the camera, by the oh, way. Yeah, <laughs> you, you really clouded that. So so they just, like, I guess Scotland just approved, like, because they want to progress the whole whiskey thing, obviously more than it's already progressed over the years. They just finally approved the ability to use tequila barrels in finishing whiskey. In Scotland, it, it was never allowed before. Huh? It's like well, it's a recent. It's actually a recent thing. I don't well, know I, how recent, but it's a. Recent I mean, thing. I'm I'm actually glad they opened it up to that. But now that you mention it, I never even thought about it. But yeah. if you go back and you think of all the different types of barrels that they've used to finish whiskeys, yeah, I can't remember ever anybody using a, a tequila barrel. So that that would be. I would love yeah. to try. I think rum, I don't know how long ago rum started with it, but that was another move that they made because, you know, early on it was like sherry barrels. That's it. Yeah. And well, and that's what the, they, they moved it's on. The same, it's the same. Uh, the Balvenie Doublewood 12 year is finished, you know, in the sherry casks. And I like that stuff too. I think it's great, a great scotch. But yeah. something about the uh, finished in, in rum casks is is awesome. So, so Pete, give us, uh, you know, the whole thing with, uh, you know, LeBron and the Lakers. So I'm, I'm, I'm of a mindset because it's a really strange year, you know, for, for everything. So, you know, you've got shortened seasons for any, any sporting events or leagues, you've got shortened seasons and, you know, things like that. So, um, and I, I agree a hundred percent, you know, when it comes to, you know, Although I'm, I don't, I'm not a basketball NBA fan anymore. I used to be diehard, you know, uh, up until maybe 2000 or 2001. But um, didn't you play when you were younger? I played, but poorly. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but I was, uh, I was a huge fan, you know, especially in the in the 80s. You know, Magic and and watching Magic and Bird compete was one of the highlights of my Spectacular. youth. Spectacular. And then seeing seeing Jordan come into the league in the early '80s and you know grow into the greatest player of all time. I mean, it was just fun to watch him progress and see the league progress, and it turned into this big juggernaut of a of a entertainment 
you know, thing. And, but with this year, you know, being that it's a shortened season for pretty much any professional sports, what do you, yeah, thanks Q. I know I'm old, <laughs> but seeing a, seeing the shortened seasons and all that, do you think, do you think like 20, 30 years from now, people are going to look at champions, you know, whatever teams won their perspective, their respective championship in 2020 and still put an asterisk next to it? Well, I mean, maybe, but I mean, I still look at the Spurs season that was short and I, it was the mm-hmm. asterisk year. Yeah. Maybe because I was a Laker fan at the time being <laughs> from Los Angeles and obviously, you know, Phil Jackson kind of dubbed it the asterisk year. Um, yeah, man, I, I was a Laker fan. I even said earlier in the year before the pandemic came on after Kobe passed away, I said Lakers over everybody this year because I figured they would just win it for Kobe. Right. Yeah. But I'm not really a LeBron fan. I I, like everybody asked me like, who are you rooting for? I said, Miami, because I don't like LeBron. Yeah. Um, well, I, I give him props for being a great player. Obviously, yep. I will say I will say his MVP speech was the most humble version I've ever seen him give. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, he finally thanked his teammates <laughs> instead of thanking himself. Yeah. Um, you can tell I'm not a fan. Um, <laughs> You're really trying, though. You're really trying to. But yeah, I I think the funniest thing I saw today was Kobe. It was a cartoon of Kobe, Michael, and LeBron. And LeBron was sitting there with like kind of a, you know, upset face. And Kobe said, it took you six games to get rid of an injured sixth seed or fifth seed team. And then Michael said, "Congrats on your your Mickey Mouse championship." <laughs> All right. Okay. So but, I mean, yeah, I, I think I mean, does it matter? Because when I talk to old school guys about you know who the best of all time is, um, you've got a lot of players that that come in that yeah, I can look back and watch some of those games and really, I mean, Kareem. I mean, is obviously needs to be in that conversation. Wilt should be in the conversation. Dr. Bill K, Russell. you know, Bill, Bill Russell, um, all of those guys deserve to be in the conversation. I think your favoritism really depends on if you were able to watch them growing up. And for me, Jordan was just that, but all of those guys that we just mentioned changed the game one way or another in their time. I think LeBron, you know, um, I agree, Pete. He's a great player. Um, I just don't think he's goat. Well, I'll say this. I was not a Michael fan. Um, I was a Rodman fan. I wasn't really a basketball fan. I played basketball when I was a kid. I was a Celtics fan, dude. Bird, Bird, all Havlicek, you know, players like that. I grew up watching these guys, and I was just a fan of great Great basketball. Parrish, McHale, Bird. Yeah. Those, were, those were a big three for me. I became a Rodman fan because of the re- rebellion, right? Yeah. I was a musician at the time. Rodman was just this outcast that, that you know, had already won a couple championship, uh, championships with the Pistons. Mm-hmm. And he moved around. 
and I followed him in San Antonio. And when he became a bull, I was like, I'm a Bulls fan now because I like this guy. Mm -hmm. I became a, a Jordan fan because of Rodman, because of watching it. those games, watching that, those three years. I mean, obviously I saw the first three years, but the second three years is really where I was really following that, you know, Pippen, Jordan, Rodman. Yeah. And Rodman, well, actually Jordan to me, like I'm, I'm a Kobe Bryant fan. I became a Laker fan later on. I'm a Kobe Bryant fan. I would never tell mm -hmm. the world that, in my opinion, that Kobe's better than Jordan because Jordan's still the GOAT, dude. Yep. Bottom line, I don't care. He's still yep. the GOAT. Uh, Pat Foster actually has, I think, the best comment so far. <laughs> That's pretty good. I think they should indeed get a ring pop. <laughs> yeah. Like what color, though? <laughs> yellow. Laker, yeah. Laker yellow. Laker yellow. Ring pop. Yeah. That is just hey, I, I, I'm happy to see that they were smoking cigars. Yeah, that was... Um, like I said, I always like seeing any anytime somebody wins mm -hmm. a championship. If if it's out there in the public eye, people people enjoying premium cigars to celebrate something. Yeah. I, I think it's only mm -hmm. good for for the cigar culture as a whole. And you but know, what? let's be honest, though, real quick. Let's be honest. They were all smoking cigars because Jordan smoked them first, right? <laughs> yes, I think Jordan. <laughs> yeah, he was the trailblazer in that. Yeah, and I think. Well, I mean he. Red Auerbach was the trailblazer. Let's be honest about that. But Jordan really, okay. for the champ, Red Auerbach, you know, he, he smoked on the court. Yeah. Well, yeah, there, the Celtics, were, there were a lot of, uh, there were even a lot of football coaches back in the day. Yeah. You know, in the, the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Vince. That constantly had a cigar, mm -hmm. you know, in their mouths, walking along the sidelines during a game. How cool is that? I know. <laughs> and I And I also want to bring up, you know, and I don't want to, you know, bring up the brand, but anybody that was pooing on any of those guys for smoking a particular brand when they were smoking it, you know what? That's not what this culture is about. You know, yeah. they were they were smoking a premium cigar, and it's what they enjoyed. Were, were people enjoy poo pooing it? There were people. I would I would poo poo it just because I. Oh man, I wish they were smoking my brand. <laughs> yeah, but you've got. I, you, you know, know honestly, you, let's say this. Sorry, I actually figured that Jeff Borschwitz probably was the one that sold them the cigars, right? <laughs> so I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, why the heck weren't FSGs being smoked? Think about that. Yep. Yeah, that's a good but question. It works. It works. Yeah. It's about the culture. It's about mm -hmm. enjoying and lighting up. And mm -hmm. hey, the one day that that some championship team lights up a Tatawai, I'll I'll celebrate. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, <clears throat> I want to get into the uh, um, and talk about the Karloff a little bit mm -hmm. um, because, um, you know, the, it's it's mm -hmm. always October's, you know, a, a fun time for people who enjoy premium cigars, especially people who are fans of the Tatuaje brand, uh, because it's it's fun to see the 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 creativity and the the interesting new. Uh, spin that comes on with the with the uh, the monster release in October from Tatuaje and the Karloff is um, you know it's it's interesting because it's in a way it's it's goes back to the 
the beginning, but also has it, it almost it goes back to the beginning, but it also in a way encompasses the whole line because it's I mean, he was the original movie monster. And, yeah. And um yet he's and we're gonna talk about this too. What an interesting guy. I I started doing a bunch of research on this guy. Cigar oh, smoker also. Oh yeah. Yeah. What an interesting cat. I mean, he was just a really, really cool guy. And so what, um, you know, what, once you start going through, obviously there's the list of, of, you know, movie monsters for lack of a better term is, you know, it's, it's shrinking. So, you know, when you got along to a certain point, when did you decide, okay, we're going to actually do this next one and just call it the Karloff. And how did that come to be? Well, I mean, I did Boris originally, right? And it was part of what we called the actor series. Mm-hmm. It was it was going to be a thing where it was it was going to be the next year would follow up with a new monster, but the previous year's actor. So that's where Boris and the Drac came into play, right? Mm-hmm. So I needed an interim cigar, and the Karloff, which is a spinoff of Boris, obviously because the the name was a perfect, you know, wedge in between 2019 and 2021, which 2021 is the redux start of number one, which is great for me because I can start Frank number one on a one. Yeah. And you didn't help me. It'll help me count actually. Right. (laughs) And you didn't think about uh, doing a peewee and then Rubens. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, um, I, I did. I have a lot planned for next year. <laughs> I, I have a lot planned for next year. I will shit myself. That will be awesome. No, there will be no Pee or Ruben, but uh, I, I do have a lot planned for next year. That uh, that um, you know, obviously the Frank's coming back next year, but there are going to be some fun things, and I'm, I'm. Might do another spinoff of the actor series somewhere later in the year, past October next okay. year. Nice. So cool. there's there's stuff already set aside for late 2021. Okay. And um, so for uh, for the Karloff, for the people who want to know just about the specifics, you know the uh, the rundown. Uh, give give us the details on the cigar itself. Uh, six and five eighths by forty nine. It's actually an inch shorter than the Frank. Uh, it's actually half of an inch shorter than the original Boris. Uh, Sumatra Oscuro wrapper, so Sumatra Ecuador Oscuro shade. So higher, a little bit of a higher priming. Um, it's actually stronger than the original Boris. I wanted to give it a nice spin to have it be unique. You also notice that the bands are are embossed right on those. I the reason why I did that, I I never like to repeat anything with the monster series identical because I want I one, I want the original ones to hold their value. Two, I want to make sure that the original ones or the new ones aren't passed off as original ones. So I always make slight changes of everything. That way there's no confusion 
um, for the consumer that's buying on the secondary market, like someone's someone's going to buy this Karloff and someone might try to sell it as a Boris, original Boris. Well, this is shorter. It also has the embossed band. So it's there's always those little touches that I want to make sure that there's no confusion and yeah. the end consumer doesn't get screwed if he's buying on the secondary market. Um, I've got a couple questions here from uh, a friend of ours, Matt Vagdahl, who mm-hmm. wanted to know why all dress boxes this year and no non-dress. Uh, as a, uh, <laughs> I have to say that the, the factory probably was not happy that I <laughs> did them all in dress boxes, <laughs> but um, you know what? I, I, I just wanted to make it special. Yeah. And uh I didn't want to have that that double chase. My wife is waving good night to me. Good night. Good night. I I didn't want to have that that chase factor and I wanted everybody to be satisfied yeah. with uh the end purchase. And there's a chance that I'm if I can <laughs> if I can convince the factory to do it, there's a chance that I might go with all dress boxes moving forward. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, but it's, it, I mean, it is a tall order because the the dress boxes, depending on the layout and the design, can be significantly more uh, more difficult and time consuming to produce and more expensive. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the guys are saying go with a simple format, you know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, change the colors, but go with a, a standard format. That way, you're not really tripping up everything <clears throat> and it also changes the boxes yeah. so there's and another change and they're not numbered you know that probably all went into the to the deal well, too since they're all dresses i mean i obviously probably next year i'll number them again this year okay. we didn't number them but uh i'll tell you there's a straight four thousand made so there's there, there's a number and that's, that's all I do. So yeah. I, it, it's, there's no mystery there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Moving forward, there's a chance that we do all dress boxes. And honestly, it's, it's become a thing to reward the retailers that are rewarding us. Right. Um, what was the breakdown before of dress versus just regular boxes? Always 700 dress boxes even though 666 were numbered there was another 34 that had double x's on them so i would know that they're part of my collection okay um so always 700 and it was always the chase of like the undress box and the dress box and you know we had a we had a team meeting today and the comment came up was like I want the special ones. Well, they are, they're all special. No, I want the, the special ones. <laughs> like, like I, I don't want the plain one. I want the one with the, the paint. And like, <laughs> it, it was like, okay, I get it. Um, there's retailers that, that like, they get really disappointed when they're like, I got one of the dress box and, and 10 of the, the plain ones. At the end of the day, it's the same exact cigar going into the box. But, there's, you know, the, the Halloween factor. Everybody wants, right. you know, the, the candy wrapped in the same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's mm-hmm. the, there's a collectability factor to it for the people who 
um, are are collectors and and collect you know regardless of whether they take the cigars out and smoke them right away and just collect the boxes. Um, there is there is something about the uh, the artwork and the design on those boxes, and I I have no problem with with having them all be the same, having them all be you know fully decorated dress boxes. I think it's a cool idea, um, and it gives you know gives that many more people a chance to uh, you know have the extra special decorated. Yeah, box. I will say that someone mentioned that it 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 will at least let the the guys that have been collecting since day one have their value held right in those mm-hmm. original ones right yeah for sure so yeah. we'll see i mean i it, i i'm actually kind of scared to ask Jaime the question so <laughs> <laughs> well this i mean going back to you know the all the releases of the monster um all the ones that i've smoked i didn't smoke the original Frank, but going on from there and all the, the original monsters, um, this, you know, you never know where the next release is going to hit your palate. Everybody's got a different preference for particular blends and things like that. Um, although, you know, I think we can, uh, we can enjoy all kinds of different things, but this blend in particular, Garrett bought us a few of these a few days ago. And uh, brought him over to our regular Wednesday night, you know, group herf. And um, we fired this. He, well, he, I was still finishing my first cigar and he had already fired this one up last Wednesday. And he just turns and looks at me and just holds up the cigar with wide eyes and goes, starts nodding. Mm-hmm. Ahead. So I finished my uh, first cigar quickly so I could move on. Uh, and, you know, it is, one of my just having smoked it this is my second one it is one of my favorite monster releases so far and and i never smoked the original boris um i have had the little boris mm-hmm. um uh but this is one of my favorite just knowing in the second halfway through the second cigar that i've had of this this uh karloff it's one of my favorite monster releases so far very cool i like yeah the, I, I like i'm the, i'm really right. happy with it the like, uh yeah a lot of the members uh, from SNS that were down in uh, Nicaragua with us actually tasted them back in February. So, oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, so they've been they've been, you know, sitting for a while, resting, which is kind of nice. When they taste it, and you guys, if you get a chance, you you gotta. Um, I want to echo what Matt said. Um, I've had several of the Monster series, and. Um, this is just edging out the drac for me. Um, oh, and, I like that the drac. That's a that's an old school pick right there. Yeah. Um. So this is delish. Awesome. The drac was always one that I liked a lot. I love I love the Jason a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the Jason was popular, really popular. And uh, it's hard to find for a while. I finally got my hand. I've only smoked one Jason. I've had a few Drax. That's a beast, but honestly, they're smoking amazing right now because they've kind of toned themselves down a little bit. The Drax? No, the 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 Jason. The, uh, Jason. the Drac yeah. was actually was a, a fairly a fairly medium bodied cigar mm-hmm. to begin with. The wrapper gave it that little extra bite. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the whole key to the drac. It was, you know, silent with a bite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously we're in the final quarter of, of 2020 strange year for everybody, you know, dealing with this, uh, different sort of reality that we find ourselves in. Um, what have you guys, uh, you and your team, what have you found that you have learned to do differently in, in order to stay connected with your customers and stay connected with your retailers and things like that during a, a weird year like this? Well, I mean, we were doing like uh, regional updates with uh, the retailers. We, we did them for a little while and then we, we had trouble planning a few other regions uh, but uh, that actually helped a lot. The retailers really appreciated it. And a lot of those retailers stepped up big time this year and they, they found other ways to sell cigars. I mean, it's a tough year for everybody to try to manipulate, especially when you're shut down. Like you, a lot of stores have been shut down, but they've found ways to reach out to their client base and, I've seen numbers from retailers that would, you know, that are still kind of closed Yeah, that are, that are way better than the year before. Um, Mm -hmm. we've, we've managed to have a pretty amazing year, uh, for, for what we were scared to death of, of like, okay, uh, let's, let's cancel our month of, uh, March and April orders for the factory. And then, to the point of running out of cigars. Um, it's, it's been a blessing that we've been able to sustain business pretty well during this time. And, uh, to end up having a year that's equal, if not better than the previous year. And how has, how has everything been going in, in Nicaragua with, with the, my father factory, as far as um, being able to keep up with production keeping, keeping the employees, uh, safe and all that stuff. Well, uh, Jaime, Jaime was pretty early on. Uh, so you guys can understand a little bit better. Uh, the Garcias have a fairly large, um, pig processing facility and it has to have a very clean environment. If you want to walk into that building, you have to get sprayed down the whole thing. Jaime implemented that in a factory early on when we started talking about airborne, right? Um, when he reopened was about the same time everybody else reopened. Nicaragua was one of those cigar countries that, that closed down around the same time. Every factory closed down around the same time and then reopened around the same time. But Jaime made sure that the, you know, the clean room aspect was uh, pretty hardcore and he separated the rollers Everybody wears masks, obviously. He was actually having all the rollers wear masks even before this. So yeah. so he was a little bit ahead of the curve on a lot of it. But uh, even right now, I don't believe that we're 100% capacity. I think we're about 80% in the factory. But it's still a comfortable number. Um. And we're getting we're we're literally getting product every two weeks, so the okay. movement of of the cigars has been fairly easy. Um, obviously, 
being at a lower capacity, they and you know the tables spread out a little bit more, even in the packing department. Uh, we were waiting for a lot of stuff to come up, but at the same time, we're we're producing constantly and receiving constantly. The only difference is right now is anytime it comes in, I would always, you know, we would always have a, a good backstock of everything in our warehouse. Um, we still have a, you know, one to two month backlog of a backstock of inventory on most of the product, not all of it, but now like everything that's coming in is moving out as soon as we get it. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a new, I mean, that kind of brings us back to, uh, you know, more of our, our heavy boom days, which were around 2013, 2014, where as soon as it come in, it would disappear. Yeah. And you're warehousing in Miami, right? I'm actually warehousing in Los Angeles. We still distribute okay. out of Los Angeles, but, uh, we do hold a lot of inventory here in Miami and then shift it to LA. Uh, like I'll give you a good example. Um, the petite black labels that we made, um, we moved through a good batch earlier in this year and we decided to make another small batch and we have back orders for it already. And we just got it in and, uh, we're, we're able to fulfill all those back orders and have a few extra boxes left over. So we're starting to rebuild that inventory slowly. Uh, Miami on the, on the other side has been a little tougher because being closed down in Miami for two months, there were certain products that uh, we usually have anywhere between three to six months of back uh, stock waiting Sometimes in certain sizes, we were we were up to like almost a year of backstock just because Miami Brown Label, especially with this FDA thing, Miami Brown Label was one of those things that I could count on because right. it wasn't going anywhere. I didn't have to register it with the FDA or not register, but uh, grandfather it. It was already grandfathered. And uh, our biggest problem now is that uh, I think the made in the USA thing is like booming. Because even Don Papine Blue label from the Garcias is back, mm-hmm. you know, back ordered. Yeah. So all the yeah. made in Miami stuff for us for both companies has gone, gone crazy to where I'm waiting for boxes from our box maker in Miami, and I'm waiting for the cigars to be finished aging before I can box them. Yeah. And once they're eight, you know, aged out, ready to go, they're boxed and shipped to LA, and they're shipped out on back orders. So the Miami production is still going strong. Still going strong, but we're building yeah. our inventory back up. Uh, it's been tough to build inventory back up when when the sales on that product have actually gone up. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, uh, again, retailers are paying attention to this made in the USA thing like crazy. Yeah. I love it because I'm very proud of the product we make here. Um. And honestly, if I could buy everything from the United States, I would. Yep. Just that's just me. Well, and talking to you know a lot of people over these these last um, you know eight months since really everything started going wacko is people like ourselves, um, you know, just everyday cigar smokers. And I mean, Garrett and I are outside of the norm. We're big time cigar nerds and go 
over overboard way above and beyond what the average cigar smoker would but every level of cigar smoker from the guy who would smoke one cigar a week to you know the guy who would smoke one cigar a day mm-hmm. um everybody's averages have gone up yeah um, because there's there has there has been on a on a regular basis for most people more time to smoke um and i think in a way Although it's been tough on everybody, in a way, it's been good for the premium cigar industry because people who enjoy premium cigars have found themselves with a little extra time to enjoy one or two more cigars a week or one or two more cigars a day. Yeah, I agree. I'll be honest, though. I think I've probably smoked less during this whole time. Oh, really? Have you? Okay. That's the first first time I've heard that. It's Hmm. odd for me. Because normally I'd be traveling, doing events, and then during events, you know, it's three, four, five cigars. Oh, yeah. But when I'm at home, I'm actually, like, doing projects at home. Yeah. Like, like doing random shit at the house, and, and I forget, you know what, I, I need to sit down and relax. The other day, uh, I was actually on the patio smoking a cigar, and, and the wife came home, and she goes, Hey, what are you doing? I go, I, I needed to kind of decompress. And that's, that's really what cigars are all about. It's that, yeah. that time, that moment that you get to spend really kind of, you know, thinking about things and, and relaxing and, and not stressing out about normal everyday life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so something I'm, uh, that because you and I've talked a lot, but I've never really talked about this particular thing is, are you, are you one of those guys that consider yourself handy around the house or in the garage, you know, working on vehicles or working on projects around the house, you know, remodeling or fixing a light switch or anything like that? Is that, is that something that, that you do when you have to? Yeah, I, I do it when I have to. I mean, the last time I touched an engine on a car was probably 1994. I had to rebuild a Honda Accord engine oh. because I, I had no other choice. Yeah. Uh, you talk about you go into the, the junkyard and looking for this smallest part that you could ever think of. Uh, at the end of it, I ended up with a few extra parts, very much like Greg Brady. Um, <laughs> and um, I went down the alleyway where I was actually, I was, my buddy worked at this shop and he said, you can use the shop over the weekend to work on your car and somewhere around Sunday afternoon, I was like desperate. And I, I went over down the alleyway of uh, all these auto shops. And there was these two brothers that, that would rebuild like seven Honda Accord engines in one day. So, so I was like, dude, can you help me finish this? <laughs> like I was dying. It never really ran correctly, but it it ran for, as long as I needed it to. Luckily, the cigar industry actually came to my, my you know, it, it actually saved me because uh, my first job at a cigar store, that's when the, that car was about to really kind of go kaplunk. And uh, the the GM of an Isuzu dealership. Isuzu. Isuzu, whatever they call it, uh, was a client at the store that I worked at. And he's like, go see this guy and he'll hook you up. And that's when I bought my first new car. Oh, nice. Um, 
So yeah, I, I it was thankfully the you know the connections in the cigar industry that they they've always come to my rescue. <laughs> I feel like we need uh, we need a producer that can do those like VH1 bubbles <laughs> for all the old references we're putting out. Like, you know, the Brady Bunch reference and Zuzu. <laughs> Bloop. This was a company from. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, I I have. I, I'm, yeah, I went out to L.A. recently. I, I'm still flying back every once in a while to L.A. to, you know, do some random things. And I went back to L.A. recently to, uh, to upgrade the Wi-Fi at the office to, uh, to um, put in a new security system at the office. Finally got rid of ADT. Thank God. <laughs> um, Did you go? By now? the way, that's the that's the toughest thing you could ever do is to try to cancel ADT. Cancel service. ADT, yeah. Um, and then I put in a couple Wi-Fi switches. So I mean, that stuff's easy. But you know, honestly, we have a guy uh, that kind of like. I would say he's kind of like the, the 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 one guy we count on to to do all the hard labor stuff around everybody's houses here in Miami, and right now he's literally repainting our whole house, and I like I don't want to do that, so <laughs> I'll I'll go I'll go to uh, Home Depot and pick up all the paint, but uh, I, I'm not going to sit there and try to think that I'm a I'm a good house painter, yeah. Um, but also he found a couple problems in our roof and, you know, Miami, of course, you want to make sure you have a good solid roof. And yeah. they, I'm like, I'm not going to do that either. So <laughs> like the, the, the general everyday, like I, I put up a, a couple of pictures for my wife today, like, you know, the simple stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I, and I, and I changed her light bulbs in her closet, like, <laughs> because we, we have a house that it's, it's not newer, but it's, it's, it's the technology is the old halogen lights. Yeah. And you know, the light switches are all these uh, crazy Lutron things that, that, that don't always work with LEDs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, I'm going to put the LEDs in, but let's see if they flicker when, yeah. we, <laughs> when we turn them on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, yeah, it's, Silly, you know, silly. Like tomorrow, we're going to Home Depot to get more lights and a few rolls of insulation because I'm going to go up in my attic and put a few more rolls of insulation on top of uh, a few closets where where it seems to be really hot and we're getting uh, condensation on some vents. Oh yeah, you know, so simple, stupid shit like that I can do. It's, but it's... I will. I probably. I don't know. I one day I'll probably get into like looking at an engine again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I feel kind of the same way. Like someday I'm going to, I've started getting, ca- catching myself looking at cars, not online or anything. I'll just be driving somewhere and I'll see a car for sale or I'll see some old car that, that I love and think, man, I should really do that. But dude, I, I actually, when I, when I grew up, when I grew up, uh, we we lived in a small town in Gardner, Maine. It's a little historic city, but the 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 wealthy family in town were the Prescott family, and the Prescotts uh, own a pipeline company that's all over the northern seaboard. Um, it's called EJP. They've been been around forever, and we always used to like 
see the kid that we were going to high school with drive around in a Tommaso Pantera. Oh. So I went down the rabbit hole last night looking at Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I'm like, no, I, I can't do it. Like, yeah. I can't even can't even think about it. Like, because that's an engine. I, old cars were a thing for me at one point. Like mm-hmm. an old, you know, 63 Bel Air. Um, 63 Vet. I was, I was, I was re, you know, rebuilding old cars, thinking that this is like something I wanted to get into. And then I realized I wasn't that good at it. So <laughs> at some point you just go, I'm going to leave it to people that know. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe one day I'll be the guy that just buys a, a refurbished car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With those Panteras, I just saw one go for like 120 grand. Yeah. They're not no. cheap. No. Uh, but they're cool looking, man. Gosh, they are beautiful. Yeah. I, I would love to hear how they sound because I forget the sound of those things. Yeah. There was, there's a, not far from here. There's a, really nice car show on Memorial day weekend every year. And, uh, um, for, for the middle of nowhere, Minnesota, it's, it's actually a pretty big car show. And somebody brought one to the show three years ago, I want to say. And, um, it's just one of the most, you see a lot of, uh, regular players at car shows, you know, you see a lot of, you see a lot of Corvettes, you see a lot of Chevelles, you see a lot of Novas, you know, uh, Studebakers, that kind of thing. But then to see the really rare cars where there, there are hardly any of them out there and seeing a Pantera at a car show now is getting more and more unheard of, you know, to see them out there. And it's, it's so cool to see one that was restored. And this one was in really great shape. Yeah. They're, 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 they're cool, fun cars. I went to a kind of a, car rally the other day uh, <clears throat> with uh, Jaime's son, Handy, and the kids. And uh, just to look at all the fancy cars and, you know, you roll up to a couple of McLarens and, you know, <laughs> shit like that. And you're like, wow, like, yeah, those are it's a fucking $300,000 car. Yeah. <laughs> like Some serious muscle right there. But the, I actually enjoy like looking at the Dodge Hellcats and shit like yeah. that, which are badass. Garrett, what, what just Garrett, happened there? Oh, Garrett, oh, the Pantera. There yeah. you go. So, They're cool looking, man. They I really are. I'm always afraid that the lights would never flip up ever. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe you have one one light that yeah, one up, <laughs> one up and one down, or yeah. Because any, just about any car that has that technology, the 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 style, the flip up lights, just about any, but unless it's really super high end. They're always going to break. Dude, and you notice that they've all gone away from that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's That a was super that. cool technology when it came out. Yeah. And they've all said, what the hell were we thinking? Yeah. There's one more thing to break. Yeah. And my first car was was a 78 Mercury Grand Marquis with the, didn't have the flip-up lights, but it had those flat covers with the logo plates. At, oh at, yeah on the front that would just flip up and behind the the head yeah, yeah. and then flip back down those actually were fine until i wrecked it 
Uh, until I wrecked it. Yeah, they were fine. Um, my first car was a 1989 Merker Scorpio. Oh, wow. If you remember what that car was. It was... Uh, Pull it up. I want to see it. So the Merker <laughs> Scorpio was the, um, f- was the UK's um, Ford Taurus, but it was a little sportier. Um, you yeah, that was so, so. That's when. F- oh, by the way, let's let's jump in real quick. The pan- I looked at a Pantera last night, and it had a little placard on the front of the car or the back of the car that said "Powered by by Ford," and I thought that was this whole Ford versus Ferrari thing. Yeah, has has I love that movie. Like I I can watch it a hundred times and not get bored. Yeah. So when I see you know, powered by Ford. I always, you, you go back to that time and you're like, Oh shit. Like Ford was like selling engines to everybody. Yeah. And that's I, how Carol Shelby like got involved with them because he was buying Ford engines. Yeah. That's actually the first time I saw that movie was, was at a cigar shop um, near here. Sodi cigars. We did the podcast a bunch from that shop. Um, and I was, I went there on a, on a random Saturday and just basically spent the whole day there. Oh wow! So, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> so that was like their 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 UK version of the Taurus. It was. They tried to make it dude, look European. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, it was a it was a fun car, and I had <laughs> I had a brilliant idea. So uh, there's a lift bridge in Duluth that is all metal. Yeah, you want to uh, jump the bridge? No, so oh. <laughs> the the difference between the Taurus and the the UK Merker was it was rear wheel drive, and would love to do neutral drops. The car did neutral drops great on pavement. However, this bridge has this like metal, and I was like, I wonder what peeling out sounds like on metal. <laughs> it was the dumbest idea ever. Did you crash into the side? No, the second I dropped it. The rear end just went, no, I'm, I can't take that. And, uh, it was, I totally blew. Shredded the, uh, the tires. To- no, I shredded wow. the rear end. Oh, nice. The entire Damn. gearbox in the rear end just, just well, went. You know what? Whatever brand of tires that was, you should never buy a different brand of tires. Cause if they <laughs> held up to that and it was the rear end of the car that tore up instead of the tires. It's true. Those are damn good tires. Yeah. That was a fun car until it wasn't. <laughs> they're all fun cars until they're not. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, right. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's briefly talk a little bit, like we mentioned about, um, you know, about Boris Karloff, you know, the, mm-hmm. the namesake of the cigar. Um, like I said, I started doing research about this guy. Um, first and foremost, Boris Karloff isn't even his name. You know, it's a stage. No, I, I, for, I forgot the name exactly. It's, it's uh, so his, weird. his name is William, William Henry Pratt. Yes. Yes, thank you. And he's he's actually a, a a proper British gentleman. I mean, was he? You know, and and he he was he he spent most of his life in in the theater, and then early he was he was in there at the very beginning, early days of television and film, and um, and he he played. He would get parts here and there, and then go back to finding whatever work he could. He'd, he'd dig ditches or he would um, 
sell shoes or he did just about every kind of side job you can imagine in between his his gigs as an actor and um then when he gained popularity uh it really it, it was it was actually frankenstein that put him yeah. on the map as a as a household name he he became very famous from that role and uh from there it it just took off and 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 from there on he he was a sought after name for not only his his face on screen but also also his voice off screen mm-hmm. yeah, yeah he uh i'll tell you if you ever looked at him closely and then look at dan welsh closely they look like i be- oh i believe that dan might might be related in some way that's crazy. I'm looking at a pic. Garrett's going to pull up a picture right now, but I'm see if I'm, you can pull up like Dan's like follow sticker. Like surrogates follow sticker. And then, then you pull up a, I mean, I've seen crazy old shots of Boris Karloff um, sitting in like the makeup chair and you're like, Holy shit. That's Dan. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's crazy too, because um, you find Dan, it here? Dan, Dan Dan Welch, dude. <laughs> I'll tell you, we so I I went to Paris with Dan one time, and, and it was Dan's first oh. time in Paris, right there. And he was about I don't know twenty five yards behind me, yeah. And I just looked back, and this was a long time ago. This is a long time ago, probably around I want to say two thousand seven. And I looked back, and I was like. Oh my God! It's Frankenstein in Paris. <laughs> but he was uh, there. A lot of people, you know, every year um, Christmas time, how the Grinch stole Christmas comes on, and everybody, you know, sits around the TV with their family to watch it. So that cartoon, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, that was Boris Karloff, that mm-hmm. voice. And um, there, so, f- for me as a kid. Um, also, wait. What do you mean? It's not Jim Carrey. It's not Jim Carrey. I've I've actually never even seen that movie because I I just can't bring myself to watch it because for me it's just going to ruin it. The Grinch is is the cartoon with Boris Karloff. That's <laughs> okay. That's I know where that picture was taken. Actually, did that? <laughs> okay, look up a different picture. Of yeah. <laughs> That's a great picture. Wow. Look up look up NHC. Oh, there you go. Or NHC uh follow. Uh maybe he's got his follow logo. There you go. That's a good version of it. Uh, I think it was his dad. There's a there's a better picture of Karloff where he like a, a classic picture. Uh Right there, the, the standard one, where uh, over to the right, below that picture that you pulled up, or actually the third picture in the in the lineup, go back up. Right, uh, third picture next to Frankenstein. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that really does look like Dan. Yeah, yeah. There, there's. I mean, there's yeah. other. There's <laughs> other pictures of Dan that, that that you're like, okay, there's there's a connection here. Wow, that's cool. It really does. Nice. Well, it's it's crazy about how this uh, you know this this uh, proper English gentleman comes over to the states and 
makes his way as an actor. And, and also as a kid, um, we had this, uh, you know, uh, record player that my brothers and I would fight over uh, for who got to, uh, you know, listen to their records. And one of the records we had, and this was, I was really young at the time. So this was in the early seventies. There's this record of the, the symphony story with uh, the Peter and the wolf symphony with the, that has the, the narration through it. And the one that was, we had was the one with Boris Karloff doing the narration. And that was my favorite thing ever. Yeah. Peter and the wolf. It was really? the name. Oh yeah, dude. When well, yeah. I was a kid, I listened to that thing over and over again. Yeah, it was it, uh, with my, the symphony, the whole thing. Yeah, I, I my, loved it. My brother, I, I, think I, I still over that might have it. Player, and it was always that record that I, I would, I would hold that record and say, "Nope, this one's mine. I'm listening to this one next." Sorry, I was off. I, I ended up clicking on our link that I posted. And uh, I had my sound up. Um, yeah, dude, that I think my parents might even still have that because I listened to that thing over and over again. Yeah. And we were lucky enough as as kids. There was a there was a small um, small town in Indiana that actually had its own symphony orchestra. Richmond, Indiana had its own symphony orchestra. And for a, for a brief period, maybe three years, um my parents had season tickets, which equates to, you know, it's in a, it's in a small local college gymnasium. It wasn't fancy. It was, this isn't like New York Philharmonic season tickets. It's not <laughs> the same league, but Lincoln center. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they wanted to, you know, they, my parents always wanted to expose us to as much different uh, type of music as possible. And so we got to see uh, so many different kinds of music there. And one, one year they did, uh, the full Peter and the Wolf with, uh, mm. and, and I was frustrated as much as I loved seeing it live and actually seeing the symphony play it live. I was frustrated because I was like, that dude's not the dude, the guy doing it. <laughs> I'm like, that's not right. He's not doing it right. So, because the way Boris Karloff did it was so, so unique. And, and I was, uh, as much as I loved it, I said, mom, he's not doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I grew up in a household that we were forced to, uh, listen to you know a lot of a lot of different things that we would not normally want to listen to like i grew up uh listening to uh classical music in the house uh, that was like part of our dinner that's what was playing in the background and uh honestly one of my favorite movies when i was growing up was amadeus oh i love that movie yes such a good movie and I grew up wow. in a hippie house. We, uh, I mean, my uh, my parents were big concert goers. I went to my very first concert when I was uh, eight years old. And it was Deep Purple and Thirty Eight Special. <laughs> nice. I'm pretty sure I got high for the first time at that concert. <laughs> at um, eight years old. At eight years <laughs> old. Um, just a contact high. Um, but yeah. we, uh, I mean. The probably my my favorite concert as a kid was Arlo Guthrie and Pete Seeger, um, and it was a fantastic concert because two incredible musicians. Um, but Arlo Guthrie was just a phenomenal storyteller, and I'm pretty sure he didn't finish a single song. Um, he would start playing a song, and then it would just remind him of a story, and he would break into story. 
And it was, I mean, it was awesome. It was just fantastic. Yeah, man. That's, that's the memories of when we were, when we were kids are some of the best things. I mean, I think we, man, we were lucky. We, we grew up in a different time and the culture I think has been lost with this new generation oh, completely. Sure. Um, uh, there, there's no comparison to the shit that we went through or the shit that we did and the stuff that our parents taught us. Uh, I mean, we try to do that to try to sit down a kid just to watch the movie. Like the Sandlot is, is almost like <laughs> painstaking because it, it doesn't hold their attention long enough. Well, I'm, but I'm TikTok somehow like does. My, my kids like the movie, the Sandlot. I'm, I'm very lucky in that way, but uh, my kids are very, they're very spread out in age. So, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, twenties down to 11. So, um, but they like that movie. They actually, I feel ashamed to say this, but I'll say it anyway, uh, as big of a baseball fan as I am, I didn't watch that movie until within the last couple of years. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just never, it never came across my radar to, to watch. Uh, I, there were lots of times where I said, okay, I should finally sit down and watch this movie. And I never did. Uh, until a couple of years ago when basically it was my kids that in, encouraged me. And so we all sat down together as a family and watched it one night. Um, but yeah, just being able to. Uh, How about the Goonies? Oh, I love, love the Goonies. My kids love that. Actually, my my kids are also into, uh, we've introduced them to movies like, like What About Bob and <laughs> The Three Amigos. And I mean, they love, they love, love, love those movies. What about Bob is a classic, man. Yes. It's it's uh it's one of those movies that uh if you haven't seen. But I, I like I you're lucky, man. I don't think I could sit down any of these kids in this house to watch What about Bob. <laughs> I can't. I mean, my yeah. kids won't watch any of the the old movies that, you know, and we've tried um my the one that failed the most was UHF, which I think is one of the most hilarious movies of all time. Um, but you know, so many, and I didn't realize it, that it uses so many references from pop culture of the eighties mm-hmm. that it's lost on, you know, these but, kids, but you have to admit UHF as, as much as I like that movie is it's a very specific, unusual yeah. shtick kind of humor. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's that mm-hmm. sort of tongue in cheek style, almost, you know, Monty Python, sort of style of, of, of humor where um, if, if I would have watched UHF at eight years old, I would have probably hated it. But the fact that I didn't see it until I, well, I didn't come out till I was probably a teenager. So, but yeah, I like that movie. Um, so, so Pete, give us a little bit of an idea too, of, you know, in addition to, uh, the Karloff release, there have been some other things happening, um, you know, with the brands this year. So um, what else uh, has come out and is still uh, going to be me- making its way to retailers this year? Well, I have a couple of new Kabai Wan cigars that Kabai um, Wan turned 15 years old this year. So hmm. it was a good way for me to put a couple new sizes in the lineup. Really happy about them. Actually, one of them uh, mimics the size of the Guapo which is five and five eighths by 54. And one is a four and three eighths by 52. Um, I altered the bands uh, for these two cigars 
specifically to kind of give them a little pop. But uh, I'm really excited to give it a little life. It's a classic blend for us. I mean, the Cabai One uh, line uh, obviously is a is a grandfathered product in that respect, and it would be nice to uh, to add some a little extra life to the line. So those are coming. We're doing an atelier uh, release coming up in early November that uh, mimics the original three sizes, the 52, 54, 56, but in the darker wrapper. Okay. And uh, those are going to be showing up uh, early November, mid, mid-November, um, in a small quantity that uh, hopefully will become regular production, but uh, we're taking it slow. Everything we did this year was kind of um, slower and smaller because of the fear of the FDA. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And uh, we had no idea what was going to happen. I mean, we knew that we had all our ducks in a row and, and ready to go, but uh, we didn't know how the judges were going to come down and say, for now, we, we root in your favor. Yeah, you know, it was one of those scary times for the whole industry. I think it opened up a lot uh, once the judge came back and said, uh, "Yeah, the FDA needs to clean up their shit uh, before they can start controlling this industry." Yeah, so it's just a weight game, really. At this point, they're going to come back. What's your oh, yeah. feeling of how that's going to come back and and when? I mean, let's let's hope that. Uh, they take their sweet time <laughs> and uh, the industry can continue doing its thing for the next, you know, at least half a year to a year. But uh, we're still, we're still cautious about it. I mean, yep. we're trying to utilize old brands and old sizes as much as possible that uh, we've already registered with the FDA. Mm-hmm. Um it's just, the whole substantial equivalence thing really kind of was the workhorse that everybody was like the workload that everybody was fearing. Um, and we were literally like almost ready to, to start submitting everything. And then the judge came back and said, you don't have to do anything right now. So it was kind of like, okay, let's all grab a cigar and grab a drink and relax for a second. Yeah. Because, I mean, the stress level around both our office uh, virtually and the Garcia's office uh, was uh, was pretty hardcore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it was the same way for every cigar company. Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah, but we, 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 a lot of people this year. But we didn't fall into the, the fear factor of it. There were, there were some companies that were so fearful that they were paying, like, lawyers astronomical amounts of money to put their SE documents together. Right. Luckily we had a, a very simple template to go by that we could actually file everything ourselves. Yeah. It's just paperwork. Really? Did we, did we want to do it? No. Uh, did we have the ability to do it? Absolutely. And if we didn't have to spend some stupid amounts of money to, to pay lawyers to do it for us, we were going to do it ourselves. Right. And we were, we were, we were right on top of it, luckily. Yeah. Sorry for the enormous truck behind the house. I don't know what that's <laughs> all about. Coming to you live from uh, trucking 
from Pete's truck and tow. Pete's truck, yeah. <laughs> um, so what about the? Uh, I saw saw a little something uh, about a, the new event only shrunken pumpkin. Mm. That looks. Uh, that's. I mean the 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 three pack event only cigars are always fun, but uh, seeing seeing a little new twist on it's kind of cool. Yeah, the, a, a virtual event only actually. Virtual event, okay. Um, we're actually it's 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 based on a qualifying dollar amount uh, that the retailers are going to set, and for every qualifying dollar amount, you get five uh, shrunken pumpkins for free as a gift from Tatuai. Nice. Um, the first one I'm doing is actually with Abe uh, at Smoke In on the 28th of October, and then from there. Um, I have like some race car driving behind me right now. Um, from there, you know, it's really about spreading it out and not trying to do multiple events like right in a row. Yeah. So I've been getting hit up a lot from retailers like, Hey, I want to do an event. I'm like, listen, it's, I really need to spread these out because it's really, uh, a consumer thing. And if the consumers are overwhelmed with, these events, they're not going to, you know, there's only so many virtual events you can do because a lot of times, uh, a lot of the same guys get on them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a core group of guys that are really into the whole virtual aspect. And then there's the everyday smoker that doesn't really give a crap. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's the, I think, I think you're right. And I think that also makes up a lot. It's probably of, the majority. Uh, a lot of cigar smokers, you know, as far as total amount spent every year on premium hand-rolled cigars, uh, most of that money is coming from guys who don't buy that many cigars. Yeah. Yeah, and if if they do, they're not part of a, a club like Saints and Sinners. And, right. They're not even on, you know, the monthly subscriptions. They're, they just want to, hey, I need to order that box of cigars I like. Yeah. They don't even care about the five pack. They just want this. They want the cigars that they buy. Yeah. Yep. Um, got a question from a viewer here. Uh, Josh wants to know monsters aside, what is your number one selling cigar and what is your slowest seller? Uh, number one selling cigar. I would say that the Brown label, uh, that we do as a group, uh, is still our workhorse. Um, least like lowest seller a lot of our lowest sellers have gone on in hiatus um but uh wow that's a tough one because again a lot of the 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 slower sellers have gone into hiatus and we went through our portfolio earlier in the year especially with the fda trying to figure out okay what do we absolutely what can we absolutely count on? Yeah. Because there are certain brands that we absolutely count on and certain sizes within those brands that we absolutely count on. So we, we've gotten rid of a lot of those cigars that, uh, not rid, we just put them on the back burner for a while. Right. Of the cigars that, that weren't performing as well. Right. But, but when you're, you're looking at the numbers of like Atelier, that's a solid brand for us, but maybe the Torpedo in the Atelier Selection Special was not as popular. So we, we kind of put that off to the side for a while. And we kept with the core line, which is the 52, 54, and 56. Right. Um, 
Man, I don't know. Slowest seller. Uh, Pee Lancero. <laughs> no, yeah, honestly, again, it's uh, a lot of the slower movers we, we've kind of put to the side for a little while. And we're concentrated on a focused portfolio. Well, and that makes sense right now because, like you said, mm-hmm. put the in a, in a time like this with when you've got the 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 double um, threat of uh, pandemic and FDA, you've you've got to put your resources into your into your winners, the ones that perform consistently, you know, uh, month after month, year after year. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to bombard the factory with the uh, orders of product that we're going to move very slowly. Um, like, I'll give you an example. Like this cigar right here, La Mission. Three, really, realistically, three out of the seven cigars that we had in the line were performing well. Yeah. Obviously, the 1959 is performing really well right now because of the big rating it got. But. Uh, we went through it and said, hey, we're going to put these other sizes on the back burner. We're going to pick one of the sizes that didn't do as well, but we still want to keep it in the line. So we have at least a four cigar lineup out of out of the, se- the original seven. Three that performed very well, and then one that we're hoping will pick up based on a classic size. Yeah. So we picked the Corona Gorda, which is... You know, classic for us, we we do Corona Gorders in most of our lines, but it, for some reason, Corona Gorders have kind of, I don't know, they've kind of sloped off a little bit. Yeah, which well, is sad I, because I love them. Yeah, it's my it's it's my go to size. Um, Forty six yeah. ring gauge is is my favorite. So I, I will say that Corona Gorda in the black label uh, still is the most popular black label that we make. So yeah. Um. Out of all the different facings under under the lines, whether it's tatouage or uh, l'atelier, what what's is is there one that you that you find you reach for more often than others, uh, and does that go through phases where you'll have three three months where you're smoking a lot of you know a certain thing, or um, is is a lot of your time spent working on prototypes and things like that? Well, I mean, obviously, I smoke a lot of uh, new products. Like, I'm constantly getting samples because I'm not getting to Nicaragua. I'm constantly having them send me samples of stuff. But uh, I still gravitate to grabbing a La Mission 59, which I'm smoking now. Um, A little El Triunfador Petit Robusto that we make at the Tacuba factory, which is, I think, one of the best buys in the world for four bucks you get a great solid very old school style cigar yeah mm-hmm. um brown label miami is still you know my go-to uh no matter what i've been able to build old inventory uh, of a lot of cool fun brown label miami stuff uh our factor right now is to make sure that we're producing the stuff that's moving very quickly but I've, I was able to, before the pandemic hit, I was able to stockpile uh, a lot of cigars ready to go for a small batch releases. And I'm doing, hopefully, once the box maker delivers the boxes, uh, hopefully by the end of the year, early next year. 
Okay. Yeah. You good? Yep. All right. Let's uh, let's move into this week's next segment. Let's move into this week's smokabulary word. And as always, guys, smokabulary is brought to you by AJ Fernandez. Born and raised in Cuba, A.J. Fernandez now produces unparalleled premium cigars in Esteli, Nicaragua. The day-to-day operations at Tabacalera A.J. Fernandez are managed under the watchful eye of Mr. Fernandez himself in order to ensure superior quality. The A.J. Fernandez portfolio of premium cigars provides blend, strength, and flavor profiles to match the preferences of any premium cigar consumer, whether it's New World, Dias de Gloria, San Latano, Enclave, or Bayas Artes, you are sure to be satisfied with a premium cigar from A.J. Fernandez. So this week's smokabulary word is binder. Mm. And when your underwear gets all... <laughs> that, yeah, that's when the underwear just gets right up mm-hmm. in there. It's uh, it's uncomfortable, but it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, oh, cigar binder. Cigar binder, yeah. So Pete, you last time you were on the show, we we didn't have this segment yet, but it's just uh, we choose a different word each week that is either exclusive to the cigar industry or has been repurposed and has a different meaning in the in the cigar industry. <laughs> so, uh, and one one cool thing about the My Father Factory that that I was able to learn from you guys when I was there is that it's it's one of the few factories that does a double binder. Um, so give us a little bit of an idea of the 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 benefits and reasons behind doing a double binder on a on a hand rolled cigar. Yeah, a double binder on everything from the, the least expensive cigar to the most expensive cigar. Um, it really adds uh, structure and complexity. At yeah. the end of the day, it's really about the complexity of the smoke and and getting those nuances throughout the cigar. Um, adds a lot of flavor. And you're able to, you know, a lot of our cigars, we use, utilize similar binders in the sense of, okay, one might be Criollo and one might be Corojo. But on occasion, you could trip up that that mess and uh, maybe add like San Andreas as one of the binders or Broadleaf as one of the binders, uh, which actually will add a lot of flavor and complexity into your blends. Um I thought we were talking about book binders, but okay. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. Well, we've got a friend of ours that actually does that. He, uh, <laughs> he does. He's got his own business, and he he re he he goes to different uh, counties, uh, counties and cities, and and their historical books that are in in rough shape. He rebinds those uh, those books for them. Yeah, that's uh, a real job, actually. Yeah, yeah right. I've, I've utilized people like that before. So yeah, that's a that's a big thing. I have a buddy of mine who's a rare book book dealer. And every time I, I need something done for like, I have an old book that I want to get rebound. I go to him. So, yeah. And he has his person. Yeah. For the, it's an art. It's an art. It It is is. absolutely. Um, for this, for the cigar binder, um, is there, is there ever a time that you or, or anybody that you can think of would choose to use binder leaves specifically for, um, combustion properties and not so much for that have maybe more of a neutral flavor profile. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, there are a lot of binders. I won't, I won't go into specifics, but uh, there are a lot of binders that are, are made and a lot of single binding companies that will literally use the binders purely for combustion. 
Okay. Um, I'm not going to talk bad about a binder. There's some binders that I just refuse to use and some tobacco seed varietals that I'll refuse to, to use. And I'll just say this, that there's a tobacco seed varietal that, that's been used for binder very heavily, but I think it's a cheap piece of leaf <laughs> that's only there for, for, for combustion. Yeah. I, I know the one you're talking about. I won't mention it either. So yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you need that component in there. Uh, but uh, I think, you know, with the Garcias, we, we choose to, you know, focus on the Cuban seed stuff. Yeah. That give you a lot of flavors and a lot of complexity. Uh, it's the, it's the trip up when, when I, when I said like you, you switch out a binder for broadly for San Andreas uh, to give you a little bit more, you know, kick and oomph or flavor you know, complexity. Um, there are, you know, some circumstances, well, for us, we won't use the same seed varietal as the same, as one of the two binders. We won't use Corojo and Corojo. It's always got to be different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, we'll also make sure that the dominant binder isn't the same varietal as the wrapper. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Because there is that inner binder uh, that touches the wrapper leaf. Yeah. A little bit more. That's that's the one that that we will make sure that is not the same varietal as the wrapper. Because that would have to be. I mean, I, the only term. It's really about it's really about the tobacco fighting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Juxtaposition. Hey. Look <laughs> Oh, I love that word. Pulling out the big oh, the big smoke vocabulary. <laughs> That's some smoke vocabulary right there. <laughs> All right. Uh, that was this week's uh, smoke vocabulary word brought to you by AJ Fernandez. And now it is time for Numero de los Muertos. All right, Pete, I don't know if you remember last time. No, oh, wait. No, first? He, yeah. The first time you were on the show, we didn't. Yeah, we, we did. Oh, we did have this thing. Yeah, we did. We did. It was early. Uh, but let me do the copy first. Uh, so uh, Numero de los Muertos is brought to you by Oveja Negra Brands. They bring you premium smoking experiences forged from tobacco, time, and talent. Comprised of Black Label Trading Company, Black Work Studio, Dissonant, and Emilio, Oveja Negra Brands provide smokers uncompromising blends renowned for their flavor and lasting impression. Oveja Negra, where art and tobacco collide. Join the flock. Visit ovejanegracigars.com to learn more. All right. The number this, this week is 330 a year in the U.S. 330 people die from this every year. And uh, this isn't a CDC number. That's my 330. first 330. 330 here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. All right. And as always, uh, viewers on YouTube. Or smallpox. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a good guess. It's not the answer I'm looking for. If you Syphilis. <laughs> we did that uh, a couple months back. We did that as an answer on the show. Not we didn't. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't. We get didn't, the, we no. didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 330. It is not food poisoning. 
Yeah, I, I got nothing for you. Um. So is, is it a is it an illness or a sickness? No. Is it a? Um, oh, uh, let's say a, a spider bite. Ooh, that's a good one too. It is not spider. It is Snake not. Bite. It is not rock climbing. Um, it is not animal related. Not food poisoning. Not rock. Not climbing. rock climbing falls. <laughs> um, is it related to? Uh, um, tripping, <laughs> tripping. Ooh, that is a good guess. I should look. Now, that when one you up. say tripping, do you mean tripping or do you mean tripping? tripping. Oh yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I should have. Yeah. Well, now that'd be drug related. So yeah, is it drug related? It is not drug related. Okay. Alcohol. No. Tobacco. Workplace mm. related. It is not. So uh, another clue is. Uh, more than likely, these people have uh, a heart condition. Oh, I think I know what it is. Is it acromegaly? <laughs> what is ac- What is that? That's what I have. Oh no, it's not that. Uh huh. I think Look I look it what up. It That's what Andre the Giant had. Oh, is it really? Mm-hmm. Is that the enlarged heart situation? Everything. All all your organs get enlarged. Wow. Josh Jones. That's what I was, Josh. I held back because I wanted one of our viewers to have the answer. Scared. Really? Yes. Frightened to death. When you said, when you said what you said and, and also knowing who our guest is and knowing that we're talking about monsters, talking about monsters. And it's a heart, it's a heart condition thing, really, because you have a heart attack and die. Technically, it is a heart attack, but from being scared to death. Yep. Well, that's wow. a trip. Yeah, three hundred and thirty people. So, uh, was that on, like? Has that been snoped? I mean, like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here's the. There has been uh, a couple universities that have done um, studies. That's why it didn't come from the CDC. Most of all my numbers, I you know. I do a deep dive and, and uh, figure this out. And uh, 330 is actually an average of two different studies done. Uh, one found more in the neighborhood of 500. The other found in, in the neighborhood of uh, 200 and something. And the average came up to be 330. So wow. um, so somewhere between two and 500 people a year die from being scared. But majority of those people had a heart condition. Okay, that that that's better because there's been times where I've been in haunted houses where I thought I was going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. Yeah. I start laughing, but I think it's maybe like I'm going to die from laughter. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I uh, I learned early on that I can't go to haunted houses. Well, I go, I've gone, and uh, but what happens is um, my fight you, you reflex. Piss yourself. No, I punch the people. <laughs> fight or flight, and you're a fighter. I am. And I tried to go, you know, so I went the, the first time, and I punched a guy, and I felt terrible. And then the second time I went, I knew, I was like, okay, I can't punch people. And I, <laughs> punched, and I punched a guy in a Jason mask, and it hurt my hand so bad. I was like, okay, I, I just can't do these anymore. Yeah, I, I have a similar story. I need... 
by accident, <laughs> just because I was scared scared shitless. But I need a guy in the balls who came at me at a haunted house once. Yeah, uh, and I was I was maybe twelve at the time. Well, it was, there was a different time though, because back when you were twelve, yeah, they could actually grab you. Right? Oh yes, and this now is they can't touch you. So now it's just like. Yeah. Unless there's some fucking raving soup, you know, <laughs> lunatic that works at the haunted house that's really there to do damage on people, then yeah, you're pretty safe in every haunted house. Yeah. I mean, yeah. then again, if you watch the movie Haunted House, you might think differently. <laughs> exactly. All right. That was this week's Numero de los Muertos. Oh, that oh was very fun. good. Very good. All right. So this is new since you were on last time, Pete. Um, it's a lightning round of non-cigar related questions. If you could choose to hear the thoughts of one living person for 10 minutes, who would it be and why? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not even going to go into that one. <laughs> uh, that It's an election year, man. You, you got to be careful what you say. Um, okay, one person... Living, wait, living or, living, or living in Living day? person. Living person. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I, I would probably pick uh, Pepin. And only if, if, if I could hear his thoughts in English. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. uh, let, let's retract all that. My wife. <laughs> oh, wow. Brave, See, brave man. You are way braver than I am. I, I don't, I don't have. I want to know, I want to know how much talk. shit talking she's saying about me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. If, Wait, uh, can we, can we go deeper on that though? Of course. My, my dog. I would really love oh, to know what that dog is saying. Great. That's a great answer. Answer. That's the first time for that answer. I like that. I do too. Um we have we have the two dogs now. And uh Oscar, who's the big lab pit bull mix, um, his thoughts would be pretty simple and pretty quiet. Do, do, do. Uh, yeah, his thoughts would be just <laughs> do, do, do. where's the food? Um <laughs> And Ruby, who's our new tiny little uh, dog, would I, I wouldn't even be able to decipher it. It would be like 4,000 words a minute. She's so, yeah, there's no way I'd be able to. Well, we just we just spayed our dog, uh, our girl, about now it's, I think, three weeks ago. And uh, during the last three weeks, I would love to know, like, how angry she was at us. <laughs> yep. Because she, oh my god, dude, what a nightmare! I mean, we we took her back to the doctor like three times to do every test in the book to make sure that everything was okay. And yeah. it'd be nice to just hear them talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> Did one she have to go to shame? No, no. no? Okay. Surprisingly enough, she didn't have to. She didn't. She's very good when it comes to that. Um, she doesn't go deep diving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, next question. If you were about to get into a fight, what soundtrack music would come on? Well, dude, it's always Rocky, right? 
That's the very, very popular answer. That's the the most popular. I, other than that, it would have to be like uh, soundtrack. Um, it would probably, I don't know, Rocky, of course, but then Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of epic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, choose one of the following. You could hit a home run as a starting pitcher. You could score a touchdown as a defensive lineman, score a hockey goal as the goalie, or score a soccer goal as the goalie. Soccer goal as the goalie. Yep, that is quickly I, becoming quickly our... becoming the most popular answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, because the distance. Yeah, the distance exactly. and the rarity. Yeah, because if you're in the major league and you're a pitcher, you better be able to hit a home run. First of all, that's the bottom line for me. I don't care. You were a baseball player before you became an, a, you know, a major league baseball pitcher. Yeah, that's true. You were supposed to hit a home run in little league and college <laughs> and all that shit. So there's no excuse there. Uh, I think pitchers in the major league become lazy and they go, "I'm a pitcher. I don't have to do shit." Um, <laughs> a, I throw yeah, the ball. That's a great point. I, I get to throw the ball. Yeah, and they have strong arms, so you think mm-hmm. they'd be able to crank the ball, right? Yeah. The hockey one's awesome. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's also another, that was, it was between the two, but as soon as you said the soccer thing, I was like, okay, yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right. So um, we're going to do our notable smokable of the week. Um, And we did this last time you were on the show, Pete. Um, For notables this week, I, uh, I had a little sort of my own personal celebration because I, I hooked up a, a big, big heater in the garage here. Cause of course in Minnesota, it gets really freaking cold. So, um, hooked up a big heater with natural gas and electric and the venting system and all this stuff. And finally finished that tested it this week. It works. So, uh, grabbed a, a Padron black label, the Padron 89 black label. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. The, the, the big, it's slightly fatter ring gauge one that they put in the CRA, um, uh, there's a CRA sampler pack that has that one in there and it's, uh, yeah. uh, I mean, it's, it's just a really, really good cigar. So I fired that one up a few days ago to relax after finishing that, uh, that heater install. Um, that's my notable of the week. Uh, Pete, is there anything interesting you smoked recently that, uh, kind of caught your attention? Outside my brand? No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, honestly, I, I I will say this: the Fonseca by my father, the Cosacos, mm. is one of my favorite cigars. And Cigar Aficionado like rated it eighty eight points today, and like I I really started questioning my palate <laughs> <laughs> because I love that cigar. Yeah. Out of all the lineup that's the one I kind of gravitate more towards. Yep. And I was actually literally blown away that it got 88 points. I was like, I, I told multiple people before today that it was, that it was my number one cigar of the year. Well, I, it's interesting because I named that as my notable a couple of weeks ago Yep. because I, I pre-ordered a box of that Coseco size. And when they showed up, um, I've, I think I have three left. Yeah, from that box. I've been smoking so many of them. It's, 
it's maybe the best, in my opinion, the best new My Father cigar in the last five years. I think it's yeah, I, I I think it's a special cigar. Yeah, I mm-hmm. was really really blown away with the rating. Yeah, I uh, I think it's a great, uh, and I haven't smoked the other sizes yet, but that that Cosecos is wonderful. So mm-hmm. I'll say that. Yeah, out and, of all of them, I think that's the one that that I I'm partial to. Um, the little petite Corona, which got the high rating today, um, is very good. The Robusto, which I always enjoy Robustos, I actually find that I prefer the smaller ring gauges better. So, yeah. But all, all, you know, most of the smaller ring gauges got the lower ratings, which were, I'm like, wow, man, I got to yeah. maybe refresh my palate or something if I'm missing something. <laughs> well, now, now that I've heard that rating, I am actually curious to go out. I was already curious, but I'm more curious now to go out and uh, pick up a handful of the other sizes and try them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh for me it was the uh Fratello uh Robusto. Oh for, oh the original the red. Yep. I haven't had a Fratello in a while. The last one I had was at a shop here in town. Um but uh yeah, I think Omar does good stuff. I think he's got some good cigars out there. Yeah, it it, it was just uh it was unique from anything that I've smoked over the last, you know, week and um stood out. It was a great cigar. Nice. nice. Yeah, the original Fratello, that's that's a winner right there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good factory. Yes. Everybody knows where it comes from. That makes sense. In the early days, in the early days, he he refused to tell you where it was coming from. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? It's funny to me how many. Yeah, dude. He actually he actually straight up to my face one night. I said, "Where's it being made?" He goes, I "Can't tell you." I go, "Get the fuck out of here." <laughs> it was a long time ago, obviously. Yeah. Right. I always and it's always. I, I mean, if people don't want to tell us that's fine. You know, we've had people on the show who choose to not tell us which factory their cigars are being made in. I, if they don't want to tell us that's, that's up to them. I just don't understand it. Well, he had a contract early on that he wasn't allowed to say. Okay. Well then in in a case like that, that makes sense. That's, that's lapsed obviously. And now he can probably say where he makes them, but early on it was just like, Oh my God, this big guy won't tell me where their cigars are made. (laughs) Why won't you just tell us it's Placencia? <laughs> um, all right. So, guys, coming up in the next few weeks, uh, give us an idea of what is happening. Next week on the 20th, we're going to talk to Spencer Drake from La Familia Robina. And on the 27th, we are going to talk to Christopher Moore from Carolina Blue Cigars. And then into the first week of November... Uh, on November 3rd, we're going to talk to Abe DeBabna, Honest Abe himself from Smoke Inn. Uh, and he's uh, this will be a second appearance on the show. He was on uh, for a panel discussion that we had a few months ago. Uh, but he's going to talk to us all about the, um, because of uh, COVID, uh, they're doing the, their big events virtually this year. So he's going to give us the lowdown on how that event is going to go down. And their new podcast is blowing up too. What's that? Abe, that's not new. Well, you mean KMA? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. It, yeah, but it has gotten a lot of growth in the last. Oh, few tons! Months. Yeah, they've and they've put a lot into it. Yeah, they've, they've really actually put a lot into their production over the last. Uh, yeah, like last six months. Yeah, and it's really it. You're right about that. It's definitely blown up a lot. I think in the last six months or so. Um. So 
Pete, give us a final words. You know, the, the best place for people to find out information, uh, get the latest and greatest info from, from your brands and, uh, and a closing thought. Well, yeah, we're, we're really horrible when it comes to the latest and greatest news. <laughs> um, usually people find out more stuff on Instagram on my personal Instagram than anything. Uh, and then it's usually the first, um, media guy in the industry that hits me up that usually scoops it the quickest. Um, everybody has my, my email and my, my phone number. So it's usually when I post something, I, I get a text message or, or an email within like a couple of minutes from a few guys saying, tell me more about it. <laughs> and I will say that, that the guys from half wheel have been pretty like badgering lately. So <laughs> I leave you alone for the record. Well, you, it's, it's an open invitation. No, I know, I know. It's usually the guys that, that I, I told this to Coop years ago, you know, Coop's like, you know, I, I don't get enough from you. I'm like, Coop, here's my number. If you see me post something, text me. Yeah. <laughs> because that's, that's, you get it from the horse's mouth. Yeah. That's yep. always what I say. And it's easier for, for me, it's, it's all about the, you know, instantaneous thing you know you post it on instagram more people know about it and that's kind of like my press release uh we've never been good about press releases i i, I kind of feel cheesy putting them out and i i know they're needed but uh at the same time it's not what we do so yeah. if i post a picture i want people to hit me up and it could be anybody so if you need my number you have my email automatically but if you need my number Five, we'll, we'll, get you that, we'll get you that after we get off the the, uh, the chat and uh, you can text me and say, tell me more about this. Yeah. No, I've got your number. I just, I, I choose to leave you alone. Cause I know you're busy and have a lot of, like you said, a lot of other people texting you all the time saying, what about this cigar? So, no, I mean, surprisingly enough, you know, busy is, I think I've been more productive uh, being home all this time. I mean, I, I still, I'm the guy that reconciles our, our books every, every week. And I do that on Sunday morning, you know, before anybody is even up. Yeah. I get on the computer and I reconcile everything and, you know, like I'm done working for the whole week in like 15 minutes. So it's yeah. kind of great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, productivity, I think for everybody that works at, at home has been increased. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I think a lot of the, the, the crazy thing is that I know a lot of office buildings that are, that are looking for people to rent space because people are working at home and actually being more productive. So, yeah, it's that way for most people yeah. that I know. So, uh, Pete, it's been a great time. Another great show. We, uh, yeah, man. just great time. Just chatting with you about pretty much anything we want to. That's one of the best things about talking to you is we can just talk about anything and we have a great time doing it. So thank you. Thank you. It's not about the cigars. It's about the culture. Yes. Sometimes, right. you know, talking about whatever comes to our mind is the best thing in, in place. So yes, I appreciate the time. Absolutely. All our viewers and listeners. Thanks again, guys, for spending time with us this evening. As always, follow us on social media at HBT Cigar. Uh, if you have a question, email us right from the website at HowAboutThatCigar.com. And until we see you next time, burn cigars, not bridges. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. See ya.